Good morning, family, and happy Pentecost Sunday. I am so glad you joined with us today, and I hope that you'll invite somebody to join you online, or maybe even right now, sponsor a watch party. And thank you for, Pastor Rick, for that powerful prayer and for praying with us. I'm so glad that we have a staff who meets with us daily to pray, and even when we can't be together, we still observe the 11 o'clock hour to pray for the needs of your families and those that you share with us. On this Pentecost Sunday, it's going to be a little different than what normally would be because of everything that's going on. And I just want to talk to you for a few minutes about a very, very important question, and that is how we relaunch our services. And to be quite frank with you, I almost just put this sermon aside for another week, and I've been up this morning praying and thinking and saying, Lord, do we just need to wait? And yesterday before our prayer service, because of everything that's happening in our nation right now. But I I really believe that um, I'm going to talk to you this morning right from what God has just laid upon my heart. Uh, We'll go through all your notes, so for those of you that are note-intensive, you can fill them all in. You might want to download the app if you don't have it at the App Store or or the Google Play Store, wherever you get your apps from. But you know, something has really happened in our nation that has shook us all. And maybe God has allowed what's happened with the COVID crisis and with what's happening now with the racial unrest in our nation. My heart's broken. Your heart is broken. I read a poem that a friend of mine who is a very godly man, a godly pastor in the city of Detroit, that he wrote, and I I don't have his permission to share it. It's on Facebook, but I just, my heart broke and tears filled my eyes as I read his poem of what it meant to be a black man in America. I thought about my nephew, who we had the joy of him living with us for a year, and what it meant for him to be a black man in the suburbs of Detroit. And I've talked with many black families and families of color and realized how often that I have been privileged not even thinking about it because of the color of my skin. I don't feel guilty for being a white man. I, you know, I told my wife one time, I said, you know, it's not very popular to be a white, spirit-filled preacher these days, but that's who I am. And there's a friend of mine who's very involved in politics, took a message of mine downtown to Detroit because I was concerned about, you know, my ethnicity, my, my confession of the fullness of the Holy Spirit. I believe in all the gifts and all the signs and wonders of the Holy Spirit. I believe God's Word is His inspired and fallible Word. And He played that for a group of leaders downtown, and one of them a person of color, a person who says, you know, I disagree with everything that man said this morning. However, he says, I can tell that he's the real deal. I know that he would love me. I know that he would care about me and the plight of my life. I can listen to him. And so I hope, even if you've just tuned in, that you will listen this morning from a heart of someone that loves God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, but loves people, whether they're Christians or whether they're not Christians, it loves people. And my heart is just so full because of the violence is taking place. It's, it's not accomplishing anything. I have walked through the city of Detroit by myself and at time with pastors from our congregation, praying over the city, praying for Lord, the Lord to rebuild the city. And 
Just last summer, I sat with my family and friends that I took downtown so that they could see what was happening in the city of Detroit. <clears throat> I sent pictures to friends who prayed with me for Detroit of, of what was rising up out of the ashes. And now to see what's happening. But I understand, although I don't agree with the violence and I don't agree with the burning and looting of buildings and I saw, read about people who have been murdered and shot. I don't agree with any of that. That's not accomplishing anything. I'm an admirer of Dr. Martin Luther King. I remember walking through at the Martin Luther King Center in Atlanta and being so moved and having the privilege of being able to sit down with his personal secretary for almost a solid hour and letting her talk to me about Dr. King's life, his faith, his trials, and his failings, but his successes as well. And all of us are flawed human beings. One of my professors in college said, mark this, every great leader has great flaws. I have great flaws. Not that I'm a great leader, but I, I am a pastor that loves people. And I have flaws, and we have to learn to recognize those in one another. And so I'm going to ask you, if you would, I know Pastor Rick has prayed, but I would like to pray, and I'm going to ask you, if you would, to kneel in your family room or kneel by your sofa. If you're with your family, bring your family, and you say, Pastor, is it really necessary to kneel? If it's physically possible for you, yes, I believe it's very necessary to kneel in the presence of the Lord, but if it's not, just sit there this morning or, and agree with me. But I want to read to us this morning from the book of Psalms, chapter 51, and verse 17. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. Look with favor on Zion and help her rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Our Father in heaven, we bow our knee before you this morning. There is no other man, Lord, that I would bow my knees to. There is no other human being that I would kneel before and lift my hands in worship except for you, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And today my heart is broken. And Lord, I don't even like what I'm feeling and dealing with right now because I don't want to be emotional on Facebook. But how can I not weep, Lord, with those who weep? How can I not mourn with those who mourn? How can I not grieve the death of George Floyd, Lord? A man who in his hometown of Houston, Texas, Lord, was working and helping, whether or not he was a follower of yours, I don't know, but believed in what inner city ministries were doing to help young people and to help kids off the streets and was there helping them, Lord, and protecting those ministries, Lord. Father, I pray, Lord, today that, Lord, his death will not be in vain. I join with people of color, Lord, and I pray, God, remember, remember, O oh Lord, and cause our nation to wake up and understand, Father, what's happening in the lives of so many of our black citizens and brothers and sisters and other people of color, Lord. Jesus, who are automatically judged or assumed the way Mr. Aubrey was in Georgia when he was gunned down and murdered, Lord, by two white men in a pickup truck. I grieve this morning, Lord, 
You have brought my family and I here to Michigan. This was not the place we called home. This was not the place, Lord, where our family came from, but we have grown to love this community. And we have grown to love this city, Lord. And we have grown to love our neighbors. Lord, we love the seasons. We love the people. We love the traditions. We love the ethnicity. Lord, we love the colors and the flavors of what makes up Wayne County in Southeast Michigan. And this morning as I kneel before you today, I pray, Lord, remember us and have mercy upon the city. Lord, we no more deserve mercy than any other city does. We no more as a nation deserve mercy, Lord, than any other nation does. But Lord, as people of God, we fall on our knees before you and we cry out, hear our prayers. Lord, we pray for Officer Derek Chauvin, Lord, that God, repentance will grip his heart as he reflects upon how he left his knee on the neck of a man who for seven minutes, Lord, pled for his life while he said nothing until he died. We pray, Lord, that you will convict the officers, Lord Jesus, who stood by and said nothing. I thank you for those police officers that I have talked to, Lord, who have said it was senseless, it was violent, it was wrong. I thank you that there is a consciousness raised up, Lord, in the hearts and the lives of the overwhelming majority of our police officers and our first responders and protectors, Lord, who are good men and women, Lord, who take seriously their oath to defend and to protect. And so I pray today that, Lord, you would guard and shelter our police officers, Lord, from assailants and assassins and people with rocks and, and bullets, Lord, to try and attack them. I pray, Lord, for city councils, for city government and county governments, Lord, to listen to the cries of people, Lord, not just business leaders, but to people as well. And that, Lord, justice and mercy will prevail in our country. Lord, for years we have gathered in this room on a Saturday night, and now that we can no longer gather, we have gathered online, Lord, and we have prayed in your name, and we've asked you to send revival. And so now, Lord, beginning with the chief of sinners, myself, I pray, forgive us of our sins. Forgive us as a nation of our sins. Forgive us as a church of our sins. And Lord, would you send revival to America? For God, only you can heal the divisions. Only you can heal what has divided us. And Lord, may we bring in this generation, before I breathe my last breath, may we see the truth of that little song, that Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. I ask this all in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen and amen. Would you take just a moment now in your own way as you agree with me? And for just a few seconds, would you say amen as well? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for praying with me. And again, I want to say it was not that Pastor Rick's prayer 
was not sufficient. I just really felt this was what I was supposed to do as a pastor of our church today. You know, the church is not a building. You and I, people of God who have given our hearts to Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit lives within us, we are the church. This building could kind of be thought of like a salt shaker. And somehow or another, God has used this COVID-19 crisis to get the salt out of the salt shaker. I know we're in our homes, and some of us, like myself as a pastor, have been blessed and fortunate enough to be able to, to get out and to minister and to serve and to help. And we've had volunteers that we've been able to deem as essential workers to, to help us and to be a part of the ministry. And I am so grateful for every one of you. But this COVID-19 crisis has been very different than anything else that in my lifetime or in history that I can say that we've experienced. It's been global. It's been dramatic. It's been trying. Because of the internet and cable news, everybody knows what's happening in the world. For the first time in my life, I've seen borders closed through nations where people aren't able to cross the borders. I've seen businesses shut down and sport venues shut down. The NFL came to a halt. The Final Four came to a halt. The Major League Baseball came to a halt. Little League Baseball, such an American tradition, has just, everything has been stopped in its tracks. Schools were closed and Children were scrambling and parents were scrambling to find something for their children to do. Restaurants were closed and one of our favorite pastimes in America could no longer take place, being able to go out to eat and meet our friends at a restaurant or meet our friends at the coffee shop. I often refer to our local Starbucks as my extension office and, you know, we've not been able to meet up in those places. And, Suddenly, senior citizens have found Zoom, and they found Skype, and they're able to communicate and have small group meetings that way. Church services came to a screeching halt because of the crisis and because of governor's orders and the president's orders. And we've all become familiar with a shelter-in-place order, especially here in Michigan and in other states that have been hard hit. And as we look at this, and we've seen the death ratios and how many people, there are still people dying daily here in our state of Michigan. There are still people dying every day because of the COVID crisis. In my hometown of Macon, Georgia, this last week, three restaurants were able to open up, two of them that I've been a frequent patron of. And when I go home, I always go back to one of those restaurants and meet with family or friends to have lunch or dinner there. And they opened up and immediately had to close back down because the governor of Georgia said that businesses and restaurants could open up. And, and although their employees had had the COVID crisis, uh, when the test came back, they had, they had went ahead and opened up without waiting for the test results. Impatience never pays off, even for my friends in Georgia. And they opened up, and then they had to close right back down immediately because some of their employees, even though they were asymptomatic, still tested positive for COVID. And we don't want to see that happen here. We don't want to see that happen in Michigan. But what I'd like to do this morning and just taking a little bit of a different track is we want to reevaluate through a different lens what all is going on. I don't think it's accidental that 
these crises that have happened, like with George Floyd, the, the tragic death that he experienced, I don't think all of this is accidental. I think God is allowing the COVID crisis and the racial crisis to awaken us as our nation. Friends, our Father in heaven, He loves people. He loves people deeply. The Bible declares that God wants all people to be saved, not just some people, but God wants all people to be saved, so much so that He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, into this world to die for our sins. God became man in order to take your sins and my sins to the cross And we see the love of God extended out, but we also know that God is sovereign and God is in control of everything that is happening in our world today. And so God allows, He doesn't cause, He's not the cause of the COVID crisis, He's not the cause of the racial unrest, but God has allowed these things. And in some ways, according to a book that I read years ago by a German theologian, we're experiencing the severe mercy of God. As a matter of fact, that book is so old, and I read it so long ago, I had to go down to my basement to find it because it's a book that I read before I moved to Georgia by a conservative German theologian writing about some of the crisis that Europe had been through. And perhaps what we're experiencing right now is the severe mercy of God is He intervenes in our nations that perhaps he's answering the prayer that we've been praying for months, for years on a Saturday night in this room. God, revive our nation, heal our land. And sometimes the healing process involves a opening up a, an incision, a letting the pus out of draining the poison, draining the infection, cutting out what's wrong and what's diseased and sick in order to heal. It's how God takes what is evil and He uses it for our good. God didn't cause, if you're familiar with the story of how Joseph was betrayed by his brothers, God didn't lead the brothers of Joseph to betray him, but God took the evil that Joseph's brothers did by selling him into slavery, and He used that to save the nation of Israel, to save the tribe of Jacob, to do what only God can do. And only God, not the Republicans, not the Democrats, not the United States, not the European Union, certainly not China or Russia, only God can take evil and turn it for good. And what has happened during this time is I've read article after article in newspapers and magazines. God has knocked the props out from under us that we would normally put up on Instagram and Facebook and especially LinkedIn to show how talented we are, how creative we are, what hard workers we are. We all know those people who love to spend time going in detail how hard they work or how they work their fingers to the bone or letting you know what all they've done. Those people who post all of their achievements on Facebook and never, ever post any of their heartbreak or the sorrow that they're dealing with. God's knocked all of those things out, whether it's been hobbies like boating and fishing, whatever it's been, And He's caused us to come back to the deeper issues of life. How can you not? And I need to just dial it down a little bit. I feel myself becoming so passionate here. How can you not live in home with your wife and your children 24-7? You're not used to that. 
and there not be some flaws exposed, and you not have to deal with some of the issues. How can you not have these precious little bambinos that you begged God for? You fasted and prayed that God would give you children, and God gave you children, and now you're with them 24-7. You are their teacher, and you never believed their teacher before when they told you that little Jimmy could be naughty or that Sally wasn't studying hard in school, and all of a sudden you found out maybe the teacher was right after all. Suddenly you're with those children 24-7 and you discover that like yourself, we're all, we're all sinners. We're all deeply flawed. We all have great flaws in our life and that the doctrine that is a part of our statement of faith here at Woodland, that we are fallen human beings in need of the saving grace of Jesus Christ, is true of your little angels as well. C.S. Lewis was right when he says, God whispers to us in our prosperity, but He shouts to us in our pain. And in the pain of the COVID crisis, and in the pain of the, of the racial disruption and the racial crises that are taking place in our nation, in the pain of the economic crisis, in the pain of the healthcare crisis, who got the PPE, who got the ventilators when they were scarce, who got into hospitals, in the pain of all of that, it was like God took a great big boombox and spoke into our world. We cannot make it on our own. As a nation, as a people, even the globe knows now that we need the Lord. I remember as a young adult, as a young pastor, when the leader of an officially communist nation when Mikhail Gorbachev spoke out, and what many people don't know is that Mikhail Gorbachev's mother was a spirit-filled Pentecostal woman that had taught him and schooled him in the Bible. And one time during that crisis, he exclaimed, only God can deliver us. And I remember thinking as I read that, wow, what a statement from the leader of an officially communist nation. And friends, only God can save our world. Only God can save and change a human life. It adds to me a lot of gravitas to what the book of Ephesians says when it tells us to awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and then Christ will shine His light upon us. So I'd like you to look with me in your Bibles this morning. It's on the app if you want to follow along, and I'm going to need to just kind of go quickly through these this morning because of the nature of the day. But the Bible says in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 3, be humble. Give more honor to others than to yourselves. Do not be more interested, do not be interested only in your own life, but be interested in the lives of others. On this Pentecost Sunday, that's a powerfully important verse. As spirit-filled people, we welcome the power and the presence of God. We welcome not only the power of God and the presence of God, but as one of the professors at Southeastern used to say, we, we welcome the process of God into our lives as well. One of the keys to power in the Spirit, it's, it's not the spiritual gifts, by the way, but the key to power in the walk in the Holy Spirit on this Pentecostal Sunday is humility. For if we humble ourselves before the Lord, as we did just now, not for show for Facebook, I knelt long before I came to this, this service this morning. But if we kneel in the presence of the Lord, if we live humbly before our God, and we live humbly before others, then God has promised that He would lift us up. As a matter of fact, Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 and 2 describes it as our reasonable spiritual worship. 
I remember when I first preached that text here at Woodland Church, and I defined reasonable as being thoughtful, how we love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, how we think about our worship, how we live out our lives. Over 20 years ago, I preached that message here. You see, if I cannot, as Amy Carmichael said, if I cannot honestly take second place, if I honestly can't take 20th place, as Amy Carmichael said, then I haven't discovered what it means to walk humbly before the Lord, and I haven't discovered the power of the cross in my own life. And I wish that I could pen words that beautifully and eloquently, but if, I haven't, if I'm not willing to take second place or even 20th place, Senator Mark Hatfield was at a prayer service one time, and after the prayer service, Senator, Senator Hatfield was, noted, was discovered he was helping clean up, and he was helping with all of the things that had to be done. Here's a United States senator not wanting to be served, but someone as a follower of Jesus Christ willing to serve those who'd invited him to come and to pray with them. You see, to want to give my life to Christ is more than saying, God, I'm willing to be a martyr for you. Abraham Lincoln is famous for saying, I can find plenty of people that want to die for the nation. I need people that want to live for the nation. To be, to be all ablaze for God is more than giving $100,000 or a million dollars. It's the day by day of giving your tithes and offerings, the day-by-day of helping someone. It's the day-by-day of serving other people. It's the day-by-day of doing those little things in life, of helping your neighbor, of serving the elderly, of taking care of your family. It's listening to your children. It's stopping what you're doing to listen to your teenager. It's helping them with their studies. It's helping your wife or you helping your husband. It's those daily sacrifices I remember my father one time telling me, son, it's not the people that write big checks. It's the people who consistently put God first in their tithes and offerings. That lesson has never left me. You see, when you go into a rest home, when we're able to return, and you hold a cup of water for someone to drink, or you feed them soup because their hands tremble with age, and their eyes no longer work like they used to, and you, you hold a napkin, and you feed them lovingly and tenderly, you're serving Christ. That's your reasonable, your thoughtful, your spiritual worship. You don't have to go to Africa or the Middle East to be a sacrifice, a living sacrifice. And you say, Pastor, where can we find a model of that? You find it in the life of Jesus, for it's how Jesus lived his life 24-7. Jesus, who famously said, the Son of God, God himself become a man, said, I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve. It's our reasonable spiritual worship. We're new creatures in Christ. We're new creations. And so this morning... I'd like to just bring this really right down to earth. I sent out an email this week to you, and I sent out a letter. I don't know with the way the postal delivery is so challenged right now if you've gotten the hard copy of the letter, but it's the same letter that I sent into the email with you of how we plan and hope to relaunch our public worship services. We're not at a place yet where I can announce a date, and I've spent a lot of time just talking with people and meeting with people, and a pastor in Georgia gave me this idea of using a traffic light, and, and I'd like to talk about that traffic light for just a moment. Now, when you think about a traffic light, and if you'll just put it up and take it down, and then we'll come back to it. If you think about a traffic light for just a moment, when, when I see a green light, 
you know, I, I don't take my foot off the accelerator. If I approach an intersection, I probably do slow down a little bit to just to be sure it's clear. Uh, when I see a green light, I know just keep going, keep proceeding. If I'm going 55 miles an hour, keep going 55 miles an hour. But when I see a yellow light, I remember one time I came upon a yellow light, and evidently my second son, Christopher, had seen a movie, and he said, speed up, Daddy. And I said, no, that means slow down. He goes, no, it means go very fast. And that happens a lot here in the metro area. You, you see people who constantly are blowing through the traffic signals. And then the red light, you know it means stop. I discovered the difficult way one time that you also have to come to a complete stop before you make your right hand turn at a red light. And um, the police officer kindly explained to me that was a California stop and that uh, we didn't do that here in Michigan. And also he kindly gave me a traffic ticket for doing so, which I paid. I won't say happily, but I paid. Anyway, but here's the point. I want to use this traffic light after this pastor in Georgia gave me this idea, and I've just been talking to people about it. And, you know, I found out that we've got people of all color lights in this congregation. We've got people of all color lights in this community. We've got people that if you'll look at that and, if, you know, the, the green light, they just simply means, it, you know, it's time to come back to church. It's time to come back to this building. It's time for us to gather for public worship. I mean, you see them out. They're not wearing the face mask. They, they don't use the hand sanitizer. Some of them have even told me they think the whole COVID-19 crisis is a hoax. I don't believe that. I want to say that real clear. I don't, want, I don't believe that at all. It's not a hoax. And, and, and but they think it is. They, they, they don't trust the news. And I read an article last night, which was a very helpful article from a trusted source on how to tell fake news from the real news on the Internet. And if you want a copy of that, you email me, and I'll be sure to send you a link to that, that page. Very, very interesting article. But there are some of those that with the green light, they're, you know, they have... They believe it's all a matter of politics. There are people that are trying to control the economy. There are people using it. And honestly, now this I do believe, there are politicians using on both the right and the left, they're using the coronavirus crisis as a means to, to gain votes or to divide people and to have a, a vote for themselves. And friends, God deal with them severely. This is not a time to divide people during a crisis. So, there's those green light people. And then there's the yellow light people. And they're the people that are very cautious. I mean, they're the people that believe there's something to this. They're the people that, that say there really is a reason that we need to be cautious. We need to be wearing a mask. We need to be using hand sanitizer. We need to be observing all of the rules of social distancing. Um, I had a man who stopped by to see me this week, and I stepped out on the porch to meet him, and, and we talked. And so, since he had stopped by, I asked him. Now, he doesn't go to our church, but I asked him. I used the illustration of the traffic light, and he told me exactly. He says, I am a, a solid yellow light. He said, I, I really believe that we need to observe all of the social distancing. We need to observe the governor's guidelines. And then there are the red light people. And these are the people that some that I've talked to that they've not even come out of their house yet. And they're not coming out until there's a cure for the virus that is found. They're, they're the people 
you, you're, you have reason to be afraid. You're, you're very frightened. Maybe you have a, a wife or a daughter or a son or maybe you yourself, you have asthma. And you, you know, we know from firsthand of one of our members in the congregation who has asthma, how this almost took her life, this COVID-19 crisis. And they, they have simply said to me, Pastor, we will come back, but we will only come back when it's safe to come back. And so I, I put together, if you'll put that little traffic signal up there, and again, this is not my idea. I love it. I think it's a great idea. But simply the red light, you're saying it's just not safe to come back to church yet. The yellow light means, you know, you're coming back, but not yet. And some of you are green light people, and you're saying, man, I am ready. Let's do it right now. I understand. Can I say this? We're not a green light church. We're not a yellow light church. We're not a red light church. That don't even sound good, does it? Red light church. We're not a red light, yellow light, green light. It's good when I can make my own self laugh like this sometime. But we are the church and the body of Jesus Christ. We're the body of Christ, which means we've got all of these lights. And we welcome everyone that is a part of Woodland. And if you followed and you read my letter carefully this week, you know that our leadership team has done the best we can of getting legal counsel. You know, our plan has been evaluated by our insurance company's risk group. We've gotten uh, denominational counsel and direction from, their web, from our website. We've just gotten all kinds of insight. Now, I'm a member of several different online pastors groups, and I've even seen pastors fall out with each other over this time of opening the church. And that's just not all to be. Friends, we can't let that happen in the body of Christ. This is our hour to be a witness. This is our hour to be a witness to the world, not to be seen in defiance for defiance sake. I mean, sure, we can come back together. I could open the doors of the church today, according to Governor Whitmer. But is that the way that we should do things? So as a passionate follower of Christ, here's what I want to say to you. Number one, as a passionate follower of Christ, Woodland Church is committed to loving and honoring others. Woodland Church is committed to loving and honoring other people. One of the hallmarks of our church is the incredible love that we have for one another. Never take for granted the peace. Never take for granted the blessings that we have enjoyed as a congregation. Never take for granted the lives that have been changed and transformed. People have told me over and over we felt so much love. We felt loved at Woodland. And friends, I want to say to you, never take that for granted. This week, I've heard from three families who've moved away, and they've said to me, Pastor, our biggest struggle has been trying to find a church like Woodland Church, a church we have felt, where we felt and experienced the love of God. You see, love, the Bible says, must be sincere. And that word sincere comes from from acting. We're all familiar with wearing masks right now, but it means love must be without a mask because actors would wear masks, and during a play, they would rapidly go off stage, and they would change masks to change characters. So when the Bible says love must be sincere, it's saying really that we've got to love what's good, and we've got to hate what's evil. And why do I hate evil? I mean, I love what's good, but you say, Pastor, why do you hate evil? Because evil damages, and evil destroys people. So one of the hallmarks of Woodland is loving and honoring other people. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12 and verse 10, read it with me, be devoted to each other like a loving family. 
excel in showing respect for one another. You see, the essence of love is respect. I deeply respect my wife. I deeply respect my children. I deeply respect the people I work with, my neighbors. You see, love, the very essence of love is to respect. I would never speak disparagingly. I would never speak ill. I just refuse to gossip behind other people's backs because I cannot love you. Listen, I cannot love you and then gossip about you behind my back, your back. I cannot love you and then when you turn around, go mm-hmm, like that at you. To love you means I must be sincere. In other words, I respect your light. If you're red light, I respect that. If you're yellow light, I respect that. If you're green light, I respect that. Wherever you fall on the traffic light, I respect that. Let's look at this. As a prisoner, the very next verse, as a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you, this is God's word now, I urge you, live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Notice that, worthy of the calling you have received, a calling of equality, a calling of love, a calling where we serve our neighbor as we love ourselves. We love our neighbors, we love ourselves. Be completely humble and gentle, be patient, and bear with one another in love. Bear with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, hallelujah, one God and Father over all, who is over all and through all and in all. Now, friends, listen to me for just a second. It's impossible. Look at me. Listen. It's impossible to bear one another up in love if you're beating yourself up with guilt. It's impossible to bear other people up in love if you're eat up with guilt. It's impossible to bear other people up in love if only your opinion matters. If you're red light and you don't respect people that are yellow light and green light, it's impossible to bear with them in love, isn't it? I mean, don't you find that kind of great on you? (laughs) You know, it's impossible to bear one another up in love if you're so self-centered that all you can think about is what you want in life, what your desires are in life. It's impossible to bear. And only Jesus can change that. So if you call yourself a Christian this morning and you find yourself, you're not able to bear with people whose light is different than yours, maybe you really, really need to find some time today and get alone before the Lord and say, God, change my heart. Lord, change my heart, oh Lord. Make it more like yours Help me to love and respect others. Number two, I'm committed to honor Jesus above my desires. My prayer through this whole time and the prayer of our team, our leadership team, our, our, our board and our pastors, our small group leaders, our prayer has been, Lord, what do you want to do in Woodland? What do you want to do through Woodland? What do you want to do in our church that is salt that you have shaken out of the salt shaker into the community. I mean, we are not able together in this building, the salt shaker. We are in the community now. God, what do you, how do we honor your desire? I mean, we love you. I mean, I, I, I can see it now. If we were here, we would be lifting our hands and singing to the Lord. We will be worshiping. We would be patting one another on the back, loving each other. But now we're not able to gather physically together, and so we're having to be salt and light in the community. Uh, 
You see, honor, let me talk to you about that. Honor is commitment. I love the USA. I love when I travel overseas, sometimes to wear a a golf shirt or a polo shirt or a t-shirt with USA. If it's cold weather, I'll wear a sweater that will have USA. I have people come up from other countries. They want to buy that from me. I have people come up and and they'll say to me with their accents, God bless the USA. I've had people come up and thank me for, you know, our forefathers who fought in the wars in Europe, people who thank me because of their being set free. I love America. And I, but I love, I, listen now, I have loved being the guest in so many other nations and so many other countries and so many pulpits. I have loved that. I have been honored far beyond anything that I ever deserve. I am so grateful for that. And though I love their cultures and I love their food, I love their church, I love those people, I am committed to one nation. I'm not a mercenary. I'm also not a flighty citizen, but I'm also not a blind citizen. You know, this is my country. I'm committed to it. I'm honored. I, I pledge allegiance. I, I'm a part of a meeting every month where we stand, and I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. I love the flag. But you see, I can be the friend of many, but loyal to only one. I have a Muslim friend who tells me he's praying for me. I am so thankful. I never stop and say, no, you're not, you're not praying, you're agreeing. I just thank him. I just, I just thank him. You see, I thank him because he's considered enough that he thinks about me and he prays for me. And I know he's sincere. And I just thank him. But I'm loyal, and he knows it, to Jesus Christ and Jesus alone. I have Jewish friends who pray for me. And they know that I believe Jesus is the Messiah, that I believe He's the Christ. And they know that I pray that they come to know Jesus as the Messiah. But I mean, I respect them. I don't, I don't push them. Because you see, I'm loyal to only one. It's, that's between them and God. God's going to have to deal with them. I will be loyal. I will declare my love for America when I travel overseas. I will declare my love for Jesus anywhere I go. I will declare. I refuse to be silenced on that part. You see, 1 Peter chapter 3 says, In your hearts, look, in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you, if I have to defend the gospel, I can, I will. For a reason, for the hope that is within you, yet do it, say these two words with me, gentleness and respect. Say it again, gentleness and respect. So you might think, why would you thank a Muslim or a Jewish person or any people, anybody of any other faith other than being loyal to Jesus? Why would you thank them? Because I do it with gentleness and respect. They know my position. I know their position. And you see, I do that because I honor Jesus. I, listen now. I do that not because I'm a nice guy. I do that because I honor Jesus. This is what God's Word tells me to do. I love Him with all my heart. I give Him all of my heart. I give Him everything in me. My goal is not to make the United States a Christian nation. My goal is to see the people who live in the United States become passionate followers of Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? My goal is not to make America a Christian nation, 
But my goal is to be a witness and to encourage you to share your faith so that people of every faith, of every race, cross the line of their own free volition as the Holy Spirit draws them and they give their heart to Jesus Christ. That's why it's important for the salt to be out of the salt shaker and into the community. You see, as a Christian, I know that Jesus I know, I confess, I believe and will say it to anybody at any time. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But Jesus also says, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who do the will of my Father. So to honor Jesus means that I honor others and I love them and I respect them whether they're red light Yellow light or green light? And then before we get to our growth work, I am committed then to honor others above myself. I am committed to honor others above myself. And what I have found is when I'm committed to something, I generally come to delight, to delight in it. I'm committed to Becky. And you know what? We've been married a long time. And I find myself delighting in her more and more. Sometimes she'll come in on Sunday mornings when I'm praying and looking, and she'll give me, I say, you need to go away. I delight in you. I love you, but you need to go away because I don't want to be distracted from getting ready. I delight in my children. I delight in my, I'm committed to them. I am committed to you as a congregation. I'm committed to the, I take delight in this church. I love our community. And can I tell you, I am delighted to serve our community I'm delighted when we get to give food away, when we get to serve others, when I, I see the ministries going out. And I'm delighted when I see people in our community that I know are professionals, that I know are highly educated, that I know are leaders and influences in our community. I'm delighted when I see them taking up the towel like Senator Mark Hatfield did and not expecting to be served but getting out and serve. The people I'm leery of is the people who want to be honored and demand honor. But you see, we honor Jesus because He never demanded it. We honor one another, not by demanding that we be, deserve, we be served, but that we serve them. The Bible says, Romans 12, 10, take delight in honoring each other. Look at this next passage from 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 22. Now you can have real love for everyone. Because your souls have been cleansed from selfishness and hatred when you trusted Christ to save you. So see to it that you really do love each other warmly with all your hearts. I, we got to read this again. I love the Living Bible. Now you can have real love for it. Why can you have real love? Because you've committed your life to Jesus Christ. You're doing the will of the Father. You're not just saying, Lord, Lord. You're doing what God called you to do. Now you can have real love for everyone because your souls have been cleansed from selfishness and hatred. Where, where did that come from? From sin. Your souls have been cleansed from that when you trusted Christ to save you. Save you from what? Sin, which produces selfishness and hatred. So see to it that you really do love it. You've got to commit to love somebody whose light is different than yours. You've got to commit, especially when that person is very opinionated about their light. And there's all kinds of reasons that people can be opinionated. So we love one another. We love one another even though we cannot stand 
the grief and the violence that is taking place, the burning, the looting. I'm not black. I haven't grown up in the inner city. I've never had a police officer abuse me. So I can't understand the angst and the pain. My nephew can. Because somebody, because of the color of his skin, called the police on him. Only because of the color of his skin, because he was in the wrong neighborhood. In fact, the matter, he was in that neighborhood because he lived there. So it's very difficult for me to understand. And if I let my opinions get in the way, I will never learn how to love other people when they're red, yellow, or green in any situation, not just the COVID-19 crisis, but in a healthcare crisis, in an economic crisis, in a political crisis, in a racial crisis. You see, the reason I didn't put this message back away is because the Holy Spirit helped me to see this is about much more than the COVID-19 crisis. This is about our hearts. This is about our hearts. So ask yourself today, where are you? Which one of those lights are you? If you look at that little graph that I put into your outlines this morning, are you red? If so, I understand. You're not ready. I have someone very close to me who says, I am not coming out of my house. I am not coming back to work. I love the church, but I'm not coming back until there's a vaccine. I understand. I don't have a problem with that. That's, that's okay. I have friends that are yellow, and they're going, listen, you know, if we come, we've got to be, there's got to be markers on the floor. There's got to be guarantees that we're set. We've already sanitized the church. We've had, you would not believe the steps we're taking to get ready. You would not. Our church, I have been pastor of this church 21 years. It didn't look this good when I came here 21 years ago. Am I telling the truth? It looks great. It looks so good, and there's so much happening. Tomorrow, there are volunteers coming in to, you know, putting in new lighting fixtures, and there's going to be new paint, and, you know, our nurseries, they'll be really late in the process. If you read the graph, and if you don't have it, you let us know, and I'll be sure you get a, the four-phase four plan, that uh, four-step plan. And if you're green light, and you're mean light, let's do it now, Pastor. Come on, I'm ready. You know, I love your spirit. I do. You know, you're probably... I really love your spirit. You're the ones that I, I really just, I love. However, I'm the pastor of a church. There's red and yellow and green. And I'm committed to honoring Jesus by honoring everybody. And I'm committed to honoring Jesus by seeing that we're considerate of one another and all that we do. So let me give you some growth work. Number one, be genuine. As you talk and have conversations, whether it's on Facebook or whether it's via Zoom, just be genuine. Love each other with genuine affection. I mean, when you say you love somebody, don't gossip behind their back. You know, whenever somebody says, I love you in the Lord, that's typically a way of saying, I don't like you at all. You know, whenever you say, you know, I want to tell you something to love, you start guarding all your vitals. Be genuine. If you don't love somebody, just be honest. I don't love you. 
I respect that so much more than I do. Somebody, I had a man years ago try to destroy me, years ago. And God was faithful, you know, and I remember my board speaking up in my defense. And I remember how they stuck by my side, our church stuck by my side, as somebody lied. Just before, and I, and I have to be honest with you, all through those years, I carried some, I carried some, some I, I forgave him, but there was just some distrust there. And just before I moved here, I was the guest of another church, and he came to hear me preach. And he says, I couldn't let you move to Michigan without coming to tell you, I'm sorry. I lied. I was wrong. Forgive me. And we embraced, and we're going to be together in heaven. He's already there. We're going to be together in heaven. You see, friends, love must be genuine. Love people. Secondly, be sensitive. I mean, be sensitive. Be aware. To be sensitive means that you, you've got to, you can't live self-centered. You've got to be aware of other people. If you're living a self-centered life, you know, everybody's got problems. Everybody's, everybody are, is dealing with issues. And so be sensitive to the issues that they have. Even before the crisis, people were busy. Even before the crisis, there were people with their finances out of control. The crisis has really revealed the people with finances out of control. Don't condemn them. Be sensitive to them. Take time to be kind. Take time to help and serve others. Take delight in honoring each other, the Bible says. Encourage people. Speak encouragingly into their lives. Help them. You know, step up to the plate. If you can, we'll keep you socially distanced. If you can serve here at the church, step up to the plate and we will put you in a place where you can serve and we've got masks for you. We will help you. One of the men in our church brought me a mask, made a mask for me, brought it to me. It's got Georgia Bulldogs on one side and Woodland Church on the other side. I'm so thankful for that. We will help you. I'm so thankful for people who've been out in our community delivering groceries, for people who've been out serving, gowned up to serve those that are sick. But be sensitive, be sympathetic. And then finally, you know, I started this message talking about what a great day for Pentecost Sunday. Be full of the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit lives in us. The Holy Spirit animates us. The Holy Spirit is what moves us. And I'm just looking over the church right now because I can almost imagine where people would be sitting in this building, but He lives in us. And my professor in school was right. The Holy Spirit gives us power. And the Holy Spirit, His presence dwells amongst us. But there is a process of growth and maturing that He goes alongside of us. And He gives me guidance every single day of my life. He says, where did my Bible go? He says, Pastor, how does He give you guidance Right to here, because the Holy Spirit will never say anything that contradicts this word. You see, being a spirit-filled Christian is more than the spiritual gifts. It's more than tongues or healing or anything like that. Being a spirit-filled Christian means that the Holy Spirit's working powerfully in your life. And so I conclude with this. Never be lazy. Work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. In theos, in God, in Christ. Serve the Lord in Christ because you're full of the Holy Spirit. Let me pray with you. Heavenly Father, I thank you today that there is an answer to the racial pain in our nation. And his name is Jesus. 
Not an American Jesus, not a political Jesus. Lord, not a black Jesus, white Jesus, brown Jesus, but the Son of God, risen in glory. Jesus, who draws all men nigh unto Himself. I thank you that there is an answer to the COVID-19 crisis, our great physician. Jesus, the great physician and the healer of our sin-sick souls, but also by whom stripes, Lord, our bodies are healed as well. And we pray, Lord, for those that are sick and still recovering, God, be merciful to them. And we thank you for the great mercy that you've shown to our congregation. And Lord, I pray on this Pentecost Sunday that in our own living rooms and family rooms, that, Lord, you will fill us afresh and anew with the breath of heaven, the Holy Spirit himself. Now, friend, if you've listened this far, there's a reason that you're listening, especially if you're not a Christian. You might be Muslim, you might be Hindu, you might be atheist, you might be Buddhist, you might be secular, you might be Jewish, you, you might be someone that calls yourself a Christian, but you know you're not doing the will of the Father. I'm inviting you this morning to give your heart to Jesus Christ. I'm inviting you to trust Him to save you from that sin that damages and destroys you and calls you to hate others and to be selfish. It causes you maybe to be so opinionated. I'm inviting you this morning to come to Him that can change and transform your life and give you a new beginning. God loves you. He loves you. That's why He sent Jesus in this world. And that's why I'm standing here this morning, because He loves you. So would you just pray this simple prayer with me? Say, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner. As much as I know how, Jesus, I commit my life to you. I don't understand it all, but I do understand that you want to save me from my sins. For it's in your Son's name, Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen and amen. Well, God bless you. Thank you so much for giving me a little extra time if you've stayed online the whole time. I know this is a lot longer than I normally preach on a YouTube or a Facebook message, but thank you for listening. If you haven't tithed or given your offering yet, it's just not an appendix. This is how we worship God, but would you join me? I haven't given my offering yet, so I'm going to, as soon as I step off this platform, I'm going to go over and grab my iPhone. I'm going to give my tithes and my offerings today. And all you got to do is text 77977, one keyword, Woodland Church, and you'll get a message and how you can give. Or you can go to our website at woodland.church and give. Or you can always send a check, as Pastor Corey said. I know this address well, 24101 Van Horn Road, Brownstown, Michigan, 48134. You can mail a check. This is the last day of the month. Now listen, tithing, I posted this yesterday. It just came to me and I posted it real quick. Tithing is not about legalism. It's about loving. Tithing this morning is a way we show and express our love to God. God doesn't need your money. God is not demand. I'm not demanding your money. I'm just saying that that's the way that we show we love God. God loves it when we give cheerfully. So smile as you give. And if you're able to give extra, help us as we continue to reach out during this COVID-19 crisis so that we can continue to be a house of bread as well as a house of prayer. 
I love you so much. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May he make his face shine upon you. May he cause you to prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. And may all who come into your countenance countenance sense the power and the presence and the peace of Jesus Christ. Amen, amen, and amen.